God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If you're here today and you're lost, it's God's will for you to be saved. Now, that's God's will. You can't, you can't argue about that. Well, there's another part here of, of God's will that is required of us, and we're going to read it here in just a moment. And you say, well, preach, what is God's will for my life? Did you know God wants us to be full of joy? Oh, yeah. He wants our joy not to be partial full, but to be full. Now, how many of us this week, maybe, maybe you might not raise your hand, but how many of you this week got the poochy lip a little bit? How many of you got a little sideways, something happened, and uh, I guarantee almost that probably everybody under the sound of my voice, not everybody for 24 hours a day this past week was completely full of joy. Some of you might have stumped your toe. I promise you, your joy wasn't full when you stumped that toe. And uh, maybe somebody done something to you and you just hadn't had that joy. Maybe it's been a long time since you've had that joy. Well, God has a lot to say about that, but it's God's will for us to be a joyful people. We ought to be the most vibrant, the most excited, the most victorious, joyful people on planet Earth. Because in spite of what the stock market does, man, my home, and I'm not dependent upon Wall Street or, or the White House or Pennsylvania Avenue, whatever that is up there. I'm not dependent upon that. Listen, it may feel like everything is chaotic and out of order, but can I just tell you and remind you that everything is decent and in order in the heavenlies around the throne room of God. The Bible said we're just pilgrims and strangers passing through this land, man. This ain't my home, but too many of us have got our tent stakes dug down too deep in this old world it's going to melt up and fade away one day with fervent heat according to the Bible and boy my home is in heaven you as a child of God your home is in heaven so regardless of what you face here we ought to still be able to have joy and we're going to look at that this morning with the help of the Lord I'm not going to ask you to stand but notice what the Bible said first John chapter number one and of course the author of this was one of the disciples this is one of the one of the three of the inner circle there was James John and, and Peter of course they showed up with the Lord Jesus on the day that he trained he on his day of transfiguration they were there pulled aside in Gethsemane when he was praying multiple times you'll see them there together and they're referred to as the sons of Zebedee and a brother Adrian hit that good uh, he was talking about the sons of Zebedee those fishermen uh, there this morning but if you go to Mark's gospel chapter number three and verse number 17 Jesus called them the sons of thunder these guys were fiery and old John of course he pinned down several of our texts of course he pinned down we call him John the Revelator uh, there, of course, pinned down on the Isle of Patmos. But here is John writing, and he was one of the apostles, one of the disciples. He had witnessed the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ for about three and a half years. Then he saw him crucified. There, remember the one that his mother was leaning upon there at the cross, none other than John. John see him uh, die, and certainly seen him that morning when he rose again. He had a first eye-hand witness account 
of the death, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what he says to you and I today. And listen, although it was impactful and it was applicable for that day, in John's day, to be read, it is applicable and it is impactful today to be read in 2024 because we desperately need some joy in our lives. And I believe old John hit the nail on the head and inspired the Holy Ghost when he pinned this down in verse number 1. The Bible said, 1 John 1, 1, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Now that is a, a, a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. John is painting a, a, a vivid portrait, if you will, through the words of handling and seeing and touching the Lord Jesus. Then in verse 2, For the life was manifested, and we have seen it. And bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. Now manifest is a word that John uses periodically through his text. It just simply means made known. The Lord Jesus Christ was made known. He came in, in flesh yet without sin. And of course he hit that in John chapter number 1 as well of the gospel account. But look at verse number 3. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. Watch this now. That ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. That's God's will for Brian Pornester. That's God's will for you, for your joy to be full. Notice as we read on verse 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him. And declare unto you. So twice he's talking about the message. He's talking about declaring it. He's publishing it. He's proclaiming it. He's preaching. What message? What is it? He said this then is the message which we have heard of him. And declare unto you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him. And walk in darkness we lie and do not the truth. A lot of folks say, well, preacher, how in the world can I know that I'm saved? Did you know there's evidence? You go outside and you say, well, I don't know if there's any squirrels out here not in the woods. Sure you do. You might not actually see the squirrel, but you'll see some evidence. You get to looking on the ground, you'll see some acorns or you'll see some walnuts or some hickory nuts that's been chewed on a little bit. Look up in the tree somewhere and you're probably going to see a nest. You might not see the actual squirrel, but you'll see the evidence. Or like snakes, man, I despise those things and here it is warming up and they're going to be crawling a little bit more. You might not see the snake, but you'll see the snake's skin where he once was. There's evidence all around of things like that. Somebody says, well, uh, there was a wreck down on Flint Hill Road. Where was it? Well, you drive down the road, you see the black marks. You see the where the tires went into the mud. The vehicle may not be there, but there's evidence. Hey, friend, when you get born again and you call on the name of the Lord, the Bible still said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. I'm telling you, what the Lord done for me, he's done for others. He changed this old boy inside out a hundred degrees. Man, I'm talking about he changed my world, turned my life around. There's evidence. Oh, yeah, I don't have to ask somebody else. I know what the Lord has done for me. So, yes, there is evidence of a person being saved. He takes you out of darkness and puts some light inside of you. You see, this world is full of darkness, but God is referred to as light. 
And once he moves inside of you, then that light's going to poke out of you at some point or the other. Can I get a witness right there? And there will be some evidence. And notice there's just a little, little sermonette right there before we get into the message. Look with me now. Verse number uh, 6 again. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. There's a lot of folks say, if you knock on people's door here in East Bend, North Carolina, are you saved? Yeah, everybody's saved. Just about everybody. Casey, you'll, you'll, you'll confront somebody that admits that they're lost. But understand this, that when you ask them what their salvation is based upon, you'll get a lot of different answers. But I can say this, once a person is saved, we will not be sinless. I mean, you're going to make mistakes, you're going to stumble, and you're going to fall. But I do believe we'll sin less than we did prior to calling on the name of the Lord. Because the Bible said, if we walk in darkness, if we walk in that old former life that God saved us from, we're, that's evidence that we're not saved. Now here, I'm not preaching doubt. I'm just telling you facts of the Word of God. That crowd has said, oh yeah, I know Jesus, but they still use God's name in vain. They can't control that tongue habitually over and over again. That crowd that says, well, I'm saved, but boy, they'll slip around and they want to watch pornography, those secret sins and things like that. And they say, oh yeah, I'm saved. I tell you, you better check up and make sure you're born again. A child of God can get into sin. He can get into the hog pit friend but you won't stay in that hog pen long God the chest and hand of the Lord will beat you to death and bring you back amen now that's right that you understand today there's an assurance there's nothing greater than the assurance of salvation and a lot of folks don't like that you see here's the thing a lot of folks oh yeah I trust Christ I can just live however I please no God the Holy Ghost lives in you now once you're saved you're not your own you got somebody else in command, amen, and it ain't you. And again, you can slip up, and you can see, and you can make this. All of us do on a daily basis. But I'm talking about habitually, over and over and over and over again. Yeah, I'm saved. Yeah, I'm saved. And continue to do the same sin, I doubt very seriously you are, because Jesus will change your life. Now, that's not popular preaching, but it's Bible. Amen. Listen to what he said. If a, if a person, if we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness habitually over and over again, the Bible said you're a liar. We lie and do not the truth. But look at verse 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Now, wait a minute. Brother Harold, we don't walk in the light to be saved. We walk in the light because we are saved. We don't work to be saved. We work because we are saved. You see what I'm saying? And we walk in the light because of the difference that the Lord Jesus Christ has made in our heart and in our life. Now, verse number 8 said this. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Now, listen, you don't have to look far. I've only met one person that ever told me they didn't sin. Then I went straight to the gospel message. About got through out of that house with another deacon when we were still up in Wilkesboro. Yeah, that lady said, oh, I don't sin. Yeah, I don't sin. I said, well, that ain't what the Bible said. The Bible lets us know that if we say we have no sin, then we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But look at verse 9. Here's the key. Here's the key to being saved. Here's the key to continuing to have fellowship with the God of heaven because you can sin after you're saved. But watch this. Look at verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteous all of us ought to say amen right there and thank you lord because we all stumble we all do make those mistakes but i'm glad we can come back and see sin is what breaks the fellowship between us and god now prayer to salvation 
The Bible says we're alienated. In other words, we're enemies with God prior to salvation. But once we get saved, we have fellowship with God. And then we slip up and we make mistakes. That's where we have to come back. And we have to confess to God that we are sinners. And then, boom, instantaneously we are back in fellowship with God. Now, verse number 10 said this. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, 1 John chapter 1 is absolutely packed with Bible doctrine. I mean, from fellowship, from salvation, being delivered. I mean, the assurance that we have that we are saved. Yes, there's evidence of walking in light. Again, we don't walk in light to be saved. We walk in light because we are saved. But the key that I want you to see this morning is this, is is this joy business. What's the joy business? I've given this to you before. You think about the letters J-O-Y. Here's the real, real meaning of joy, and this is the order in which it better be, and this is how you can obtain joy. Jesus, others, and yourself. In that order. That's a pretty good recipe to have joy, and full of joy is to have Jesus first, others second, and yourselves last. But in our culture in which we live, most time it's, it's just the opposite, ain't it? Myself first. Well, what about me, preacher? What about me? Well, it ain't about me. It ain't about you. It ought to be about the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave everything he had so you and I could be saved. we got to put him first and then others. And then ourselves, man, that's the real picture of joy. You know what? If you ever get down, I've always encouraged folks with this. I'm not a medical doctor. And listen, there's some medicine I understand. A lot of folks saying those little signs are cute on the board. that said, well, too blessed to be depressed. But the fact of the matter is a lot of people do get depressed. But here's what will happen. There's medication and all that. Again, that's between you and your doctor. But I'll say this. A lot of times when a person gets depressed and gets defeated, somewhere along the line they've got their, they've got their eye on their self. Really have. And I, I want to help you right here. Because I've been in that shape. God allowed me to get in those places two times in my life. I can't, Brother Doby, I can't tell you how I got there. I can't tell you how I got out. But I know this. A lot of times you get in those places like, that. it's a dark place, it's a deep place, it's a deserted place. You feel like you're all alone. And none of us are exempt from that. But oftentimes when we get in that state, we, we've got this woe is me mentality. And our eyes really not on Jesus. It's really not on others. It's on us. And that's the source of it. And I can encourage you, and I guarantee you, it will change you. Anybody that ever deals with depression or defeat or anything at all, I encourage you to do this. And now you can do it now during the COVID years. You wouldn't able to do it. You just take a trip on down to the nursing home. You go get you, go buy your blanket, go buy you some goodies or something. You go in and you visit with some of those elderly folks in there. And you don't make it about yourself. You make it about them. And it won't be long that things will begin to change in your heart and in your life. I guarantee that. If it don't, you, you come see me. If you're dealing with that, man, I'll get you hooked up, and we'll go. I'll go with you, and we'll go in, and we'll try to navigate through that thing because here's the thing. When, when you put others in front of yourself, it makes a difference, man. Jesus, others, and yourself. But joy is something we, we hear oftentimes about the recession and uh, things being recession-proof. Well, the government's recession-proof, evidently. Education system is, is pretty much recession-proof. Think about the, the, uh, the, the, the food lines and the grocery industry. They're pretty much recession-proof, right? What about automobile uh, folks and where the repairs are made? I mean, you got to get around. Gas, they say, well, that's recession-proof. I'll tell you the joy 
that only God can give. Man, it's recession-proof too, man. Regardless of what comes your way, regardless of what you face, you might not have a lot of money in the bank. You can still have joy knowing that the King of kings and the Lord of lords, because again, you're a pilgrim and a stranger down here. You're going to a far better land if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you think about joy. Man, it's something, and, and really, the fellowship that we have with God is based on our forgiveness. Now, some of the songs we just sang about hit on being forgiven. I mean, we're on the winning side. How did we get on the winning side? Because we were forgiven of all of our sin. We yoked it by faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that fellowship that we now have with God is based on our forgiveness because Jesus died as a substitute in our place. And when we receive him by faith, man, our sin debt is canceled. And there is fellowship that was based on on forgiveness. Now think about this. Think about the forgiveness of sin. Some of you may be here today and say, Preacher, I, I, I've never experienced that joy. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, listen. The Bible said all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, I'm not preaching down to anybody. It's just a fact of the matter. There's only been one person that, that was sinless, and it was none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. He walked a perfect, he walked a perfect a life. He, he was without blemish, without spot, without any kind of sin for about 33 and a half years. He had to be in order to become that sacrifice so you and I could be saved. But if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ... You're on a road that is bound to destruction in a place called hell. But all that can be avoided by trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. Because here's the good news. Regardless of the sins that have been committed, he, God didn't say, well, I'll, just, I'll save you from this or that. No, he'll, he'll save you from all of them, man. If you'll come to him, as the psalmist said, with a broken and a contrite heart. And that broken spirit, man, he said, I will not despise. He said, I'll receive it. And that's what the Scripture teaches in Psalm 51. And when you understand that, you come, you may be in need of forgiveness of sin today. If you've never trusted Christ, I mean, you're on your way to hell. That's one of the privileges we have is to try to tell others about the Lord Jesus. Again, there's not many ways to heaven, regardless of what some people may tell you, what, what, what philosophers have said, what books will tell you. I'm telling you what the Bible said. You've got to go through and by the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. That's an absolute truth. It's like 2 plus 2 equals 4. You cannot get another answer. That is an absolute fundamental truth. If you want to go to heaven one day, you've got to call on the name of the Lord and have your sins forgiven. And once your sins are forgiven, man, if you've never experienced that, it's like having a thousand pounds on your shoulders and then all of a sudden you call on the name of the Lord. And Brother Randy, all that old load is lifted off. Man, I ain't never forgot that day. I hope I never will forget that day. Oh, Although I was 13 years old, and no, I wasn't a drug addict. No, I wasn't an alcoholic. I wasn't a, I wasn't a womanizer, none of that stuff. I didn't use God's name in vain. But I was lost, undone without God. And I cried out to the Lord. And it was just like a burden was lifted with a forgiveness of sin. And there was joy, Brother Harold, that I'd never experienced before. Some of you maybe have never experienced that joy because you've never been saved. You've never experienced that forgiveness of sin, but listen, it's available to you. Whosoever will put your name right there, whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you're female, whether you're male, whether you're rich, whether you're poor, doesn't matter if you drive a car or a truck, where, where you're working, I'm telling you, Jesus wants to forgive you of all your sin, but it's up to you because he gave us a free will. But you see, that fellowship is based on forgiveness. There's forgiveness of sin, but you know what? That, that's a load that has to come off in order for you to experience joy. But there also has to be a forgiveness of self. Not only a forgiveness of sin, but a forgiveness of self. Because here's what the devil will do, and he's correct when he does it. 
And if you don't believe he does, just go to Revelation chapter number 12 and read the description of the devil, the accuser of our brethren he's called. Day and night he stands before the Lord, railing accusations. He's 100% right about me, Brother Doby, about all my faults, all my failures. He's right about you, by the way. And listen, he brings those accusations. You understand Revelation chapter number 12. You know how they overcame the accuser of the brethren? They overcame by the blood of the Lamb. You and I are going to overcome the same exact way. But there's a lot of folks that can't move forward. I believe there's a lot of folks that have been forgiven of their sin, but they can't forgive themselves. Because we do dumb things, don't we? You might as well say amen. All of us do. We do dumb things. We do pitiful things and say, man, I can't believe that I did that, but I sure did. I can't believe I said that, but I said it. And then the Lord convicts us of our sin. The old devil comes up and says, yeah, you're sorry. And he's right, by the way. But if you ain't careful, you get to listen to that voice. And you won't be any good for God because your joy is gone, although you're forgiven of sin. God's forgive you of all your sin. You can't forgive yourself of making that crazy and that ridiculous decision that you did to sin. You've got to be able to forgive yourself. Think about Peter. The Bible said there before Peter ever denied the Lord. He said, oh, Lord, I'll go with you to the end of the world. I'll never deny. And Jesus said, hey, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. Peter said, ain't never going to happen. Well, what happened? We know it did happen. He denied the Lord on three different occasions in that cock crowed. He made eye contact with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible said he went out and he wept bitterly. He was sorry for his sin. What about David in Psalm 51? He said, oh, Lord, cleanse me. Oh, Lord, wash me. Purge me from all my sin. What did God do? God did that. God forgave him. Of his sin. God forgave Peter. But they didn't sit there and waller in it. They went on. Amen. Because on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter number 2, you see Peter had been forgiven of sin, but he forgave himself because he mounted the pulpit in Acts chapter number 2 and over 3,000 souls got saved on that day. It had never been possible if he hadn't to forgive himself for denying the Lord three times. Now I know that's an issue because a lot of people have dealt with that. Preacher, I just I can't get over the fact that I've done this. Listen, you know Christ is your Savior, man. You've been forgiven of sin. You can go ahead and forgive yourself. Say amen right there. Boy, here's a big one. You want joy. If you want joy in your life, you want experience of joy and your joy to be full because you ought to be a happy person regardless of what you face as a child of God. You got Again, our fellowship is based on forgiveness. You need to be forgiven of sin. You're going to have to forgive yourself. But here's a big one. You're going to have to forgive others. It's a big topic. It's a big subject. Because here's the fact, there's things that kids had to put up with if they, put up with today that they shouldn't ever have to put up with. Amen. There's things that wives had to put up they should never have to be put up with. There's things that husbands had to put up with they shouldn't ever have to put up with. There's co-workers and, and there's employers, there's employees that had to put up with things that they should never have to put up with. And we're not condoning sin. But I'm here to tell you there's a way that you can be released and have joy in your heart and life because some of you may be bound and you may be restricted. Yeah, you might be forgiven of sin. You may forgive yourself, but you can't forgive somebody else. And you're not going to experience much joy in that condition. Now, I'm preaching to you from firsthand experience on that. And as far as being in the ministry, especially if you do anything for God, you better have a real short memory. Gracie said that's right. Amen. You better have a real short memory. Because things are going to happen. You're, you're constantly dealing with people. If you work in the public setting, 
I mean, some of you are still in the public setting. Some of you have retired from the public setting. It ain't nothing like dealing with people, man. I mean, face-to-face, you never know what you're going to deal with on a daily basis. you got customers. Some people absolutely are crazy. you got to have, that's the only way I can say it. I could use more severe words, but I mean, it's what, people are just ridiculous sometimes. But understand, you got to have a short memory, especially in ministry. You'd say, well, you know, you think in a church that nobody would ever ruffle anybody's feathers. Are you kidding? On a daily basis, it'll happen. In any church, that's got, if, there's, if there's motion, there's going to be friction. Amen. If there's friction, that lets us know there's, been, there's motion going on. And rest assured, as many little ones we got running around here, many people we got coming in here, as much as we're trying to do to get the gospel out in this lost world, there's going to be some friction along the way. But my message to you today is this. You better keep a short memory on that. If you're driving a van, if you're working with the kids, if you're teaching a Sunday school class, if you're working in the sound room, if you hold any kind of office, it makes no difference what that is. You better keep a short fuse or it won't be long. You'll be over here sucking your spiritual thumb. You'll be have a poochy lip, you'll be pouting, and only you and the devil are going to show up. And at the end of the day, it's going to be your fault. Amen. <laughs> well, now, wait a minute, preacher. You don't know what they've done. It don't matter. Jesus forgave us. We didn't deserve to be forgiven. He forgave us. Now, if you'll listen to me, it'll help you right here. God wants us to have joy. But in order to have joy, you're going to have to overcome some of this stuff. You're going to have to overcome the things of forgiveness. Again, I, I, I cannot condone. I don't understand how homes, things go on behind closed doors. I know what goes on at my home. And we ain't perfect, I can tell you that. But I love my wife. She loves me. I love my kids. The kids love me. And there's things that go on behind closed doors that shouldn't go on behind closed doors. And you come on and put a brick veneer on when you come to the house of God, and everybody's smiling, everybody's got a suit on, everybody got the dress on, they look fine, but you can't see what's going on in here. There's a lot of things people shouldn't have to put up with. But here's what I'm telling you as an individual. You've got to be able to overcome. Again, we're not condoning sin. You're going to have to get that point in your life. If you want to experience the joy that God gives you, listen, thank God you can be forgiven of sin. You can have that joy. You can be, you've got to forgive yourself. But you've got to be able to forgive others because that will suppress the joy in your life. Because I promise you, you get somebody that's done something to you and you can't forgive them, you're not going to be thinking about Jesus much. Most of the time, people are thinking about vengeance. How can I get back? Eye for an eye, tooth. Boy, somebody hit me in the eye, I'm going to hit them in the mouth. Somebody hit me in the mouth, I'm going to hit them in the mouth. And we have that mentality sometimes you'll never experience the joy that God wants you to have. And it's God's will for our joy not to be half full, quarter full, three quarters full, but to be full. And listen, there's things that people have to go through. And one of the, one of the best days, you'll ever, one of the most refreshing days you'll ever have as a child of God. If there's somebody that's hurt you and you hadn't got to that point yet where you can forgive it, if you ever get to that place, man, it'll be, it's, almost, it's almost as good as salvation. You remember that load of weight that was on you at salvation and, and you called on the Lord and he took it all off? When you get to that point when you can forgive somebody, that load will come off. Amen. We're in the tater patch yet. We're meddling a little bit, boys, right here where we live, ain't it? You might be doing okay right now. You live long enough, honey. There'll be somebody done something to you. You're going to have to get to that point where you're going to have to forgive them. Listen to this, Ephesians 4. Don't take my word for it. You better take God's word for it. Ephesians 4, verse number 32. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Why should I forgive them? Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. That's our basis for forgiving others because God has forgiven us. 
Now, wait a minute, preacher. There, there's a big debt over here. They, the, the, they owe me a debt. Well, listen, I, I want to read this to you, Matthew chapter 8. It's been a while since I read this, but uh, we're going to read it right here. This is a pretty lengthy passage, Matthew 18. I want you to get this. Now, Jesus lays out this example, and he's talking about forgiveness. And listen to what Jesus said. If you ain't heard nothing else, you hone in right here because I want somebody to have joy. If you're not saved, man, you need to be forgiven of sin, and you can be today by trusting Christ. If you've made mistakes and you say, Preacher, I've trusted Christ, but man, I, I just beat myself up because I made these dumb mistakes and I've done this and that. Listen, get over that stuff. Forgive yourself. Move on. Have some joy. But for the crowd that may today have, you say, Preacher, I've been forgiven of sin. I forgive myself, but boy, I can't forgive this and I can't forgive that one. You'll never experience the joy that God has for you in your life until you're able to get to that. Preacher, how can I do it? Listen to this example that Jesus said. Matthew 18, and verse 21. The Bible said, Matthew 18, 21, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him till seven times? Oh, Peter. I mean, Peter was short-fused, and he was straight to the point. He came to the Lord Jesus. He said, Lord, how many times can my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Seven times? Now listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but till seventy times seven. Now don't try to do the math on that, because that's 490. But understand, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus didn't say, all right, 490 times, then, then, then you don't have to forgive me anymore. What Jesus is basically saying is, as many times as somebody sins against us, it's our duty as a child of God to forgive them. It's quiet in here, but it's a fact. It's hard preaching. And it's not easy to do that. Because, listen, I know as a pastor what some folks go through at home. I know what wives go through. I know what husbands go through. I know what children go through. And one of the hardest things you can do is to come and say, all right, you have got to forgive your parent for this. Remember, we had the privilege of working with Ebenezer Christian Children's Home up in Wilkes County. Man, there, there's things that I, uh, I'm not even going to go into detail about some of those kids had to go through. And yet, when you study the Word of God, the Bible said it's our responsibility to forgive others. As God has forgiven us, we're to forgive others. Well, why is that? Well, God tells us to, but again, we, if our joy wants to be full, we're going to have to get to that point in our life in spiritual maturity where we forgive others. He goes on to say, now listen to the example that he gave in verse 23. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which uh, would take account of his servants. And when he had began to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. Now, this 10,000 talents, it was an insurmountable amount. There's no way that this guy could pay this back, and he owes this debt. And I'll explain that further here in just a minute. But look at verse 25 of Matthew 18. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. So here's this guy, Brother Harold, that owes a debt that he, there's no way he can repay. So he don't have the debt to pay, so now the creditor's going to come. He's not only going to get him, he's going to get his wife, going to get his kids to fulfill the debt that was made well. Verse 26, the servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt, a debt he could never repay, insurmountable amount, 10,000 talents. That was 60 million demari, which in other words is a pence. A pence was a daily wage. 
You're going to find here in just a minute this guy that has just been forgiven. He goes out and finds somebody that owes him a hundred pence. In other words, three months of wages. Same deal. This guy owes him a debt. And watch as we read on. But just understand this 10,000 talents. That is 60 million pence. In other words, and you'll see it when we read it here in just a second. Look at verse 27. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him, forgave him debt. So here's this guy that's been forgiven of all this debt. All right, verse 28. But the same servant, this is the guy that's just been forgiven a debt, 10,000 talents, uh, 60 million pence. No way he could ever repay it. He goes out, the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him 100 pence. Again, a pence was equivalent to about 16 cents during that day. It was a worker's wage for the day so a hundred pence almost three months wages he goes out and finds him this this is a guy that's just been forgiven of a debt he could never repay about 60 million pence yet he begged for compassion begged for mercy and he was loosed of that debt that he could never repay just as soon as he's forgiven of that debt he goes out and finds somebody in comparison to what he owed a hundred pence which is nothing and notice what he said Verse 28, but the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay thee all. Now, Brother Harold, this man that's just been forgiven that debt he could never repay is now confronted with this other guy that owes him this, this hundred pence. And this fellow that owes that done the same thing that he just did to this king. Well, how did he respond? Look at verse number 30. And he would not, but cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So here's the idea. Now, again, Jesus is teaching on forgiveness, and we're going to say more about that as we read the Scripture. I'm about done, but you've got to get this. Here's a man that owes a debt he can never repay. They're going to come get him, his family, his children, his wife. And take them to, until the debt is paid. Yet he fell down and saw, have mercy. And then the king, the, the king had compassion on him and loosed him, forgave him of all that debt. You think, well, man, this guy's going to be happy and he's going to be excited. He's going to be full of joy. No, he went right out, Sister Janet, and found a guy that, in comparison to what he owed, really didn't owe that much. He said, I want you to pay me. The guy said, I don't have it to pay. And he fell down at his feet and said, uh, please have mercy. And that guy that had been forgiven of a debt he, couldn't rep- he could never repay, yet he was forgiven, wouldn't forgive that little debt that that man owed. Well, how did Jesus respond to that? Well, notice what your Bible said in verse 31. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Now remember... It gets back to the big house. The guy that had that debt on him that he could never repay, word gets back to him that he's went out. He's just been forgiven of that great debt he could never repay and goes out in this little measly debt. He throws this other guy in prison. So notice what it said in verse 32. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. I mean, he come and he asked, oh, please forgive me of this debt. And he was released of it. But then in verse 33, Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? See, we miss the whole point. He's teaching about forgiveness, man. We forget about that. 
We forget about the pity that God had on us forgiving us of a debt. And we didn't deserve to be forgiven, yet he forgave us because we asked him. Yet we fail to have pity on those that hurt us. Again, we don't condone sin, but it's our responsibility. If you want to have full joy, you're going to have to get that point in that place in your life where you're able to forgive others. Well, preacher, what if I don't? Well, the Bible lets us know. Look at verse 34. And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. Now, that's pretty strong wording. But now notice what Jesus said in verse 35. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. Now that's the word of God. That's what God said. That's going to happen to me, going to happen to you. If if we from our hearts do not forgive others, doesn't matter what they've done. God released us of a debt we could never repay its salvation. How dare us? We go out and somebody has done something to us and we hang on to that. We harbor that stuff. There'll never be joy in your life and you'll be turned over to the tormentors. Now listen, that ain't talking about, a lot of folks say, oh yeah, Jesus teaches a person loses salvation. That's not the loss of salvation right there, friend. You know what that tormenting is? That's the tormenting of the mind. Oh yeah, you show me somebody that, that, that can't get through and somebody that cannot forgive, they're going to be tormented in their mind. Mark it down. I've witnessed it numerous times as a pastor. Most times people don't even have to tell you. You can just tell by talking to them. They think about it in the morning. They go to bed with it at night. They can't think about the goodness of God. They can just think about what somebody done to them wrong. Amen. Now, this is right where we live. You say, well, preacher, they done this to me. Listen, what did we do to God? Jesus hung on the cross so we could be saved. And yet we called on him, and he had pity on us. I'm telling you, if you want to have joy, it's God's will for us to have joy. But there's only there's three ways we can get it. Number one, we've got to be forgiven of sin. If you've never trusted Christ as Savior, you need to be forgiven today. Jesus died for you, and he loves you. You've got to be able to forgive yourself. The devil's going to bring up those accusations. But, hey, thank God, once you say, man, those sins are forgiven. You've got to be able to forgive yourself. But you've got to be able to forgive others because it will restrict you. It will restrict your joy. You ain't going to be able to focus on Jesus and others and yourself. You're going to be focusing on, on what so-and-so did to you, what such-and-such did to you. Man, get to that point in your life where you say, Lord, I've carried this baggage for the last mile. I'm laying it down today. I'm tired of this. I want joy. I want vibrancy. I want victory. If you'll bring it to God today and lay it at His feet, God will help you and He can restore you in the joy departments, we stand all over the house. Let's pray. Father, I love you. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity. God, I'm privileged to preach your word today. Now, God, we, this is where we live. All of us at some point or the other have to deal with this. Lord, you want our joy to be full. It's hard preaching today, Lord. And I thank you for the liberty that you give us to preach it. But, Lord, when we had to put those shoes on our feet, it's difficult. But I pray for that one today. They've never been forgiven of sin. They've never asked Jesus to save them. I pray that you deal with that heart. Pray for that one that, Lord, is just dealing with, with their self and they can't forgive their self for the decisions and the sin that they committed in the past. Lord, help them to see if they've trusted Christ. It's gone. Now, God, I pray for that one today. They're still harboring something. Cannot get over the point of forgiving someone. God, help us to see that we owed a debt that we could never repay, and you forgave us. You tell us as God forgave us, we're to 
Forgive others for Christ's sake. Help us to do that, Lord. Change lives as only you can. Do a work as only you can today, Lord. We'll thank you. We'll praise you in Jesus' name. Hello, friends. This is Brian Pondexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church, located at 2216 Hennings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world, to equip the saints of God for service, and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages, and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service. And every second Sunday night of each month, we have what's called an eat and meet service. After our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's holy word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today, and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation. They prepare for retirement. They seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words, good works, and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. You must understand that you're loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16, it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. 
Romans 10, 9 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must ask God to save you. I can't do it. No one can do it for you. Romans 10, 13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you know you're a sinner, and if you're sorry for your sin, and you believe Jesus died for your sins, you simply have to ask Him to save you. You might say, Preacher, how can I know for sure God will hear me? Well, first of all, the Bible tells us that we must be drawn. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which had sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God. It said there, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. If God draws you by conviction, if you're sorry for your sin, you repent of them. If you believe Jesus died for your sins, and if you asked Him to save you, then the Bible declares you've been saved. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you've been forgiven of all your sin. Romans 8, 1 declares, There is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Once a person has been saved, they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible-believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us, and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here, and may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.